Oh, God in heaven. Oh, we're reminded that, yes, we one day will sing that with every believer, every follower of you, God. We will worship standing, prostate, straight. And God, we will worship on our knees. We will worship as we go, as we come. God, and we will celebrate you constantly. And God, I know we can do that today, but so often our lives, our lives get in the way, it seems. People come today I've met with, with hardship, with, with, with cancer, with sickness. God, and relational problems, Lord. Marriages that are in shambles. and Oh, lives that are hurting with work. And Lord, we know that you are a sovereign God. And in the midst of those trials, in the midst of that, that pain, that agony that we're going through, God, we know that you're there. We know that you care for us. We know that you love us, God. But sometimes it's just so difficult. And we just want to throw in the towel. We want to say, no more, God. But you remind us constantly. And that's why we're here this morning, God. Lord, that you hold us tight when we hurt you hold us tight when, when we just don't want to go any further. You, you help us in those times. So God, I pray that we would get more of that today. And not only that, Lord, I've heard of joys and, and success and victory after the trial. I've heard of that today as well. The hurting people that have come in and then they say, the Lord has delivered them from certain things. And God, I thank you from the deliverance of cancer. I thank you from the deliverance of pain, from that, that marriage, that relationship, that, that you've, you've redeemed it. So God, we rejoice in not only our hurts, but our, our praises and our wins, God. And Lord, we need more. The greatest is you that we want to rejoice in. And Lord, let us not forget that, that though the world throws everything at us, that we can still cling to you and know that you are sovereign. So this morning, God, we ask that you would impart more to us. Lord, I pray this constantly, but I ask that we would leave different than we came in, leave changed, leave invigorated, leave convicted. Whatever it is that you have for our heart, God, please do a work. Lord, illuminate our minds. Let us see clearly. Holy Spirit, we give you permission. Please, please open hearts today, wherever we're at. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do. So we give you this moment. We ask these things in our Savior and Lord Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Please be seated. Wow. You know, this, this series is, is a, a different series that I didn't expect it to go the way it's been going, you know? And so I'm constantly changing things and, and, and how I am approaching the messages. And, and so my mind gets a little, little, little bit tweaked a little bit, and I'll show you how bad it is. If you look on your outline, and, and not, the, not the first point, but all the rest have the wrong scripture on it, and that's my fault. I changed my message on Monday, and I, was, I haven't been thinking right, but we're actually going to be, our primary passage is going to be in Philippians 3. So if we don't have it on the screen, please open your word. Please open your, your, get on your cell phone out and look it up there. Because, because God has to, wanted to impart on us and reinvigorate us on who we are as believers. So we talked about the, the truth of truth. That we do have truth in our culture, even though the culture is trying to deny it and claim their own truth. And then we talked about judgment, which often doesn't, doesn't bode well with the church. 
You know, that judgment is a reality, and every man, woman, and teenager will have to face that one day. And they will stand before their God. And I, and I want to encourage you, Christian, the good thing is, is you're going to not be at the great white throne judgment. You're going to be at the Bema seat of Christ. And that's a joy, because the other one is not joyful. That's where the multitudes will be, the people that chose what? The, the broad gate and the wide path, which we talked about last night, the di- or last time, was the difference of conversion. And, and many people have the wrong idea. They, they, they've been sold a bill of goods where it's like anybody can get into glory or a Christian thinks that they, they might have chosen the right gate, but then they're living a life on a broad path and they, they have to wonder if they went through the, the, the right gate or not because they're living not according to God's word. And I want to remind you of that passage that we looked at last time, and it was in Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus said this in verse 13. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. See, that's a reality. Many people think they're good. Many people think they are good enough. Many th- people think they are right with God, and then they can go and they, they listen to the law, wrong doctrine of grace, and they say, I can do whatever. They think they have liberty, and we're going to talk about liberty in the future, freedom. But then we see what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. See, the reality is there. There's a small gate, and then the way is narrow. See, the Christian is on a path that they go through, and often, you know, we're told you can do whatever you want, right? And that's not true. See, God has a way for you to go, and I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about your cross, and you'll see the title today is The Truth of Taking Up Your Cross. See, in many Christians, we, we get through the narrow gate, and then what do we receive as our reward? Is it an attaboy? No, it's a cross. Ah, oh, there's a reward for you. Thanks a lot. That's great. And we, we get this cross when we enter through that gate. And many, we don't know what to do with it. We go, okay, here we go, my cross. And we like to use the term, my cross to bear. And what do we think of a lot of times when you're in that marriage that's going nowhere? Your cross to bear is that person, right? Oh, I've got to be married to them for the next... Uh. Come on, Jesus, come back. I got my cross, right? <laughs> then the other thing is maybe somebody thinks it's an ailment. Maybe it's something like that. And sure, that could be part of it. But the reality of the cross is what we have to understand as somebody on the narrow way. It says this in Matthew. If you want to look at Matthew real quick, but in Matthew chapter 7, or excuse me, 16, verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must, what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, Jesus says, you want to come after me? It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's about you following me. That's what he's saying. You following what? Jesus, his way, his way of doing things, his lead. Not Tom Olson's lead, you know, not that other Christian's lead. It's Jesus' lead. And then he goes further and he says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. And whoever, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So there's a promise there. You deny yourself, you're going to find real life. 
You're going to find it. But he says, look at, the, look at the other part. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I think that's the culture today. You know? Why would someone want to do that? Well, we see the cultures. What are they doing? What are they, what are they selling their souls for? The now. They sell it for riches, fame, you know, luxury, sensuality. See, that's what the world is doing. They're forfeiting their souls for the now, the present, the fleeting. That's what they're doing. And the Christian who lives in the culture, and we do, often what? We, we jump onto it. We jump on to the idea of, hey, you know what? Forfeiting my soul. Okay, yeah, for whatever. Yeah, that's good. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But did you realize, do you understand what the cross is? Do you understand what the cross is? We have to understand that a follower of Jesus is willing, willing to follow him to the end, whatever the cost. See, that's, that's what your cross is. It's like you're on board. You bought into this. See, Jesus, what did he do when he took up his cross? He aimed at Golgotha. See, the cross is a death march. Now, isn't that a great way to start off our message today? It's like, wow, thanks for the encouragement, Tom. Woo! But that's the reality of the Christian journey. See, we're, we're in it with Jesus. See, what does he say? Deny yourself, come after me. Could deny yourself and see what would truly happen. See the joys. Now, now the Christian, we kind of like, can't we make it a little bit more joyful? Like, you know, let's go to Proverbs. And so we like the idea of Proverbs. And it says this in, in verse 18, chapter 4. It says, But the path of the righteous is like a bright, or is like a, a, a light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. Whew. All right, Christian, take a, take a breath. That sounds good, doesn't it? We look at that and go, yeah. Because when you get saved, you know, and you're up early in the morning, that 5 a.m. sunrise, and you start to see it clearly. Oh, it sounds so good. It's so crisp and cool in the morning right now, at least. And we're, we're enjoying it. And we're like, man, I love this. And you're just like, and then soon it gets to about 5.30, and what do you start hearing? The birds. And you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, yeah, being a Christian's great, right? I think most Christians, you know, we, we like the dawn. We like the comfortable part of it, and it's a joy, and we start seeing the sun coming up. But then we get to about 8 a.m., and I think most Christians kind of stop there in the life of an 8 a.m. Because, you know, we like the idea of shining bright at noon, but it's Arizona heat, so we don't really want to go out into it. Or it's Christian heat. It starts getting a little hard, unbearable sometimes. And so we stop. And we look around and we see other Christians stopping and looking around. And we're saying, oh, you know, it's, this is bright enough. And that's the common Christian. That's the common follower of Jesus. Back in uh, eighth grade, I took a spelling test. And one of the words on there was mediocre. And I remember that word because that's like the one one I got right on that whole test. I was really proud of myself. And mediocre means ne neither very good nor very bad. And so that's generally how a Christian looks at life. You know what? I'm really not that bad because I've seen the pastor. He speeds. Psh, I don't speed like that. I'm pretty good. I'm not that bad either, you know. And so I'm, I'm good. I'm even keel. I'm an even keel Christian right there. Mediocre. And we kind of look at that, and that's what everybody does. Now, 
We gotta, we gotta guard ourselves from that. In the Latin, mediocre means halfway up the peak. Halfway up the peak. And I think that's where most Christians are, is we look at our journey with God, and what do we do? We start entering into it. We start going down the way with Jesus, and we get about halfway there, and we're like, good enough. This cross is heavy. Let's put it down. I'll rest here. And we become common. We become mediocre Christians halfway up the peak. And that is not how we're designed. It's kind of like going up Mount Everest. You know, I, I've been watching this documentary on Mount Everest. I just love it. It's fun, you know. It's like, man, this mountain is ominous, and yet people want to climb it. Stupid people. And, and it's like, man, I want to go up there. I want to experience, you know, I would. I wouldn't mind it if there was like an elevator or something. And it, it's like, wow. And, and, and that's the Christian journey, right? It looks amazing. I want to summit I want to get up there on the, on the top peak and I want to shine bright. But then we start our journey and it starts great. It starts welcoming. You leave and it, you slowly work your way up to base camp, you know, and you're on your way and it's great and it's fun. And then all of a sudden you look up at the peak and you look at the path before you and you go, you know what? I'm about done. Anybody ever been there? And that is where we end up and we miss out. I think Jesus, you know what? If he would have done that. But what did he do? In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who, in, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So here Jesus is, and what does he do? Well, his idea, he's the author of the faith, and he perfected it, and what did he do? He went through the journey, fixing his eyes on the summit, fixing his eyes on what was to be, and he said, that's the joy. You know what, church? We miss out. We forget that the joy is also in the going. You go, well, how was the cross for Jesus a joy? In his heart, he knew you would be there with him. He knew the joy set before him each step of the way and knowing that he would be in glory and you would be there with him one day. You would be his. And, and that's a joy. And, and we, we often forget that the joy is before us. We can look at the mountain. And we can get a little bit intimidated, but that we have to understand that we are to keep going. So you understand this, church. The Christians should want to summit and shine. Oh, we don't want to be 8 a.m. Christians anymore. We want to be noonday Christians. We don't want to be base camp Christians. We want to be summiting Christians. We want to go the distance because the rest is mediocrity. Halfway up the peak. That's not for a Christian. We don't want to give in. And I know it's hard. Journeys are hard. If you're a hiker, it's hard. It's painstaking. It's not fun. But I use the word joy because happiness means it's felicity. It's fleeting. And joy from the Lord when you're walking with him, when you're on the journey with him, it can be in those hard moments. It can be in the anticipation of your God. 
See, happiness is something that you, you get because of a circumstance, and then soon that circumstance is over. But joy is anticipation. Joy is in the moment. Joy is what's ahead. We can have it through all. And so I want to encourage you today, please write this down. The narrow way is the joyful way to travel. Whew. It's not the, it's not the you know, it's not some cheesy way. The narrow way is a great way. Because you know why? So often on the wide path, what do you do? You get distracted. You, you see things that you'll think will make you happy. And you, you go over to that one, and all of a sudden it runs out. And you go to the other side, oh, that one runs out. But if you're on the narrow way with God, He is your focus. You don't have other things really competing. You know that's where you want to be. You know that is the best place to be, walking with your God. And so often we get to the point and we get up somewhere and we look back and we say, look what I just accomplished. Then we look at the, what's the daunting task ahead of us and you go, well, you know what? Maybe it's a good place to rest. And you put down your cross. And that's what gets us in trouble. In Philippians chapter three, Paul says this in the first verse. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write these things again is no trouble for me. And it is a safeguard for you. Now, where's Paul? He's, he's writing this from prison. There's no trouble for me. I'm rejoicing for God. I'm in prison. <laughs> it's like, well, you nutcase, right? But he's like, you know, he's writing it for you. And why? It's your safeguard. It's your guardrails. That's what it is. It keeps you from going the, off the ends. It keeps you on track. It's so often we, we, we don't stay on track with God. And why don't we stay on track? You know, if it's, if it's the good way to what? Travel, we're to be traveling in it. See, when you stop, that's when the joy comes to an end. That's when you just kind of start looking around and you get a little fearful. You know, if you're going up Everest, oh yeah, there might be some fear, but you stop your knees might start clanking together. You might become paralyzed by fear. You might become distracted by, ooh, let's just take a photo op here, shall we? Let's just take our time. See, Paul understood this. He says, you want to keep going. You want this way to travel. Because understand, the narrow way is more joyful with each step. Each step, it is such a joyful experience. Each step. Why? I, I, I love this. If you're, if you're a climber, if you're a hiker, and you're going up something, and you're just like, oh, I can't wait to get there, you know what the next step means? You're closer. You're one step further down the road. You're one step more to embracing the goal. Yes. But you know what? As a Christian, when we step forward with God, there's joy there because why? You know you're being obedient. You know you're following the path. There's a joy in that. And it's not an easy way to go, but boy, it's a joyful way, and we should want to embrace it, and we should want to get through it with God. Those experiences, those next experiences. Let's look at Philippians. And, and in this verse, understand this, before I go any further, is Paul, he understood something. When he was saved, like you and I, when we're saved, when we go through the narrow gate, one thing happens is we are positionally 
sanctified. We are saved, and so we are perfect with God. So you step through that gate, and you die like the man on the cross, you're golden with God, right? But, but we're still here. You go through that gate, there's this thing called, you know what, it's called, it's called positional or excuse me, it's called progressive sanctification where we go forward and we grow in God and we experience more. He changes us, he develops us, we become more like him. And Paul, as he was journeying forward with God, he realized though he'd done great things, he'd experienced firsthand the Messiah Jesus. He'd seen that, he experienced him, he met him, he wanted more. And that's what he's saying here in verse 12. He says, And not that I have already obtained it or already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which also I had laid hold by Christ Jesus. See, he's going, I want more. Because why? With each step, he gets more excited. He's more of an adventure. If you're saved at the beginning, you know, it's exciting. But when you persevere and you go through a, a hardship, when you start tackling that first mountain, that first pass, that first pass on the way up to the peak, you know what, you're, you're victorious and go, man, I can't believe I made it this far. See, that's Jesus with you. And he goes on to say in verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and, and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Isn't that fun? It's like, don't you, as a Christian, we like to reminisce about what we did as Christians. We like to do that because it makes us feel good. Back in my day, you know, we had to memorize the entire Bible before we could even take communion, you know, and we talk about that. Or back in this, and we go, look what I did. You know, I, I hear this a lot in church. You know, I, I, I started Sunday school hour. The vacation Bible school was my idea. I came out with it. You know, yeah, yeah, whatever. We hear this thing, and we look back on our lives, and we say, look what I did. Paul's saying, you know, everything I did, it's past. What, those accomplishments, do I want to go back and repeat them? See, he's just like, that was hard back then. I got more mountains to climb. I got further to go. And so he's saying, you know what? I forget what lies behind. And in verse 14, he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He wants more. He wants to summit. But he goes, if it was that good then, what's next? Christian, what's next? See, when we put down our cross, it's dangerous. We say, oh, I don't want it anymore. And we go, you got to go forward for it. And we're going to miss out if we do. Church, we have to understand that experiencing Jesus is more, is now the great adventure of our lives. That's what it is. If you're an adrenaline junkie, you know, it's fun to jump out of airplanes. You know, you, you, you like to really risk it, and maybe you try, like, different types of foods and see if it sits well. I don't know. Maybe you're, maybe you're that person that likes whitewater rafting, and you see these guys, you know, the people that climb Mount Everest, and they're all into it. You want to know what the adventure is for a Christian? Going forward and deeper with Christ in your life. Seeing what he'll do when you take the next step in obedience how he'll provide for you when you sacrifice what you do for him because you go forward with him. You say, you know what? Ah, I'm going to homeschool my kids, and I hate that. And you decide to do it. And I know moms do that. 
And, and it's like, wow. And you're like wondering, will they turn out normal, right? I tell you, if they're not according to the world's normality, praise God. Your kids, we want them to be abnormal from what they're teaching today. You know, it's a difficult thing. Or, or you're going, I'm going to sacrifice maybe over here, and I'm going to give to a missionary or a church. That's a great sacrifice. We want to do that. That's the adrenaline rush. I tell you, church, we each step, it's more joyful. What is God going to do? But not only that, listening to God brings joy on the narrow way. Listening to God. See, so often we're not listening too well. And that would be like the analogy of some climber going up Everest because they go with a guide. They don't, no one just goes, I'm going up Everest alone. Here we go, baby. See, that's what Christians like to do. We like to go at it going, okay, I'm going to do this. But you're not being guided by the Holy Spirit. You're not listening. And so what happens? You're ending up in a crevasse. A big hole in the ground that can kill you. You're, you're going wayward. You're, I'll, I'll go down this tunnel because it looks like the white, smart way to go. And that's danger. We want to listen to our God. We want to follow Him. In Philippians 4, or chapter 3, verse 15, it says, Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, that's you and I, we're perfect in God. He says this, have this attitude. What is this attitude? The attitude of pressing on, following God, going forward, forgetting what lies behind. And if any of anything, anything you have is different, is a different attitude. So if you're thinking, I'm going to hang out here. I'm going to hang out here in what? This wonderful situation with my cross on this bench. If that's different, listen to this. God will reveal that also to you. What's going to reveal? You're on the wrong path. But many Christians have gotten so far off the path that you're not even hearing God. See, you're, you're sitting there in your life and you've gone through the narrow gate and you're on this narrow path, but you're getting this other idea and you're in the ditch and you're not even listening to your God. Your God wants to speak to you. Your guide wants to help you. And he's throwing you a line to get out. But you're not listening. So what do we do? I, it's very frank and to the point is to hear God, you must read the Bible, study the Bible, and obey the Bible. Wow. I know it's earth shattering, isn't it? You go, really? It's boring. That's what we're called to do. This is our guide book. Now, I know the Holy Spirit, He does speak to us, and He inspires your heart, and He guides you like that. I do believe that. Christian, the Holy Spirit, we are not discounting what He can do outside of this Word, but to affirm that it is the Holy Spirit, and it is what He is saying, you've got to get in this. Too many people say, this Spirit led me over here, and then what? It's kind of like the, the, the person saying, God told me to marry this woman. Oh, really? She's not a believer, but you know, I know it's of God. I'm sorry, in the word of God, it says, you know what? That you are not supposed to be unequally yoked. So that is not of the Spirit. You see, that's what we do, is we check to make sure, hey, we're following God's lead. Because we want God to lead us. We want to hear Him. That's why we read so plainly in Philipp, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God. How do you get approved? 
as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. You're in it. You know it. And the Holy Spirit will illuminate your mind with it. He will make it real. This is the beautiful thing about studying God's word when you're a believer. And I reiterate this all the time, is to the world, it's just an academic process. To the world, they'll see things, love Jesus, that sounds good. To the world, the, the words, the, okay, that's a good book. But to the follower of Jesus, when you are confessed up, when you are living rightly with God, the Holy Spirit makes it clear to you. It becomes real in you. It's called illumination in your mind. The Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Word of God. That's a joy. Man, to know that you have firsthand knowledge and understanding of God and what He wants to say to you, boy, that's a joy. And so when you're going forward and it's difficult and you, 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 you hear, you, you, you're listening for God and you're just like, yes, and I know God's guiding me. You're wonderful. Now, I, I, I want to preface something here because too many of us, we become stagnant if we don't hear God. See, we are called people of faith. See, on the path, if you're a hiker going up Everest, you don't want your guide to say, one more step, one more step, one more step, one more step. But you don't want that. I mean, you, you just go, shut up, please. I'm trying to concentrate. See, that's just the reality. I'm trying to go across this ladder. I'm having frustration here. I don't need the pressure, you know. And, I, and that's my family, by the way. And so you, you're not going to hear that. But you're going to hear God reveal it to you when you have the wrong attitude. See, it's not about feeling. See, when you go forward with God, He's going to guide you, and He's going to praise you, and He's going to love it that you are going, you're going down the right path. And so if you're not hearing Him, praise God, it's okay. What you don't want to hear is, don't stop! You know, you don't want to hear that. He wants you to go down the right path. Understand this, the narrow way is walked regardless of feeling, regardless of it. See, it's a joy to go down. It's the joyful way to go, the only way to travel. But I'll tell you, you know what? You may not hear God's word. See, it's a concept. We have to understand what happens when you went through the small gate and you got on the narrow waiting room? No. It's a way. See, so many of us, we get saved and we think it's a waiting room. No, you've been given a cross to carry and follow Jesus down the way. That's the concept of the way. That's the concept of going forward. As we see here in verse 16 now of Philippians 3, it says, However, let us, what? Keep living by the same standard to which you have attained. It says, keep living. Keep going. Living is not sitting stagnant. Living is living it out. I mean, that's life. Abundant life is to be active. See, living is not only a, a noun, it is a verb for us. It's an activity. We're going forward. A Christian, we aren't just inactive because it gets hard. We go forward because a Christian, understand this, you were designed to grow to maturity. That's, your, that's how you're designed to do. You're designed to get big and strong and become a man or woman of God, not a child. We're not supposed to stay there. 
And so often we kind of look at the world and we look at the thing and we go, I don't want to take chances. It's risky. Going up there, it's risky. See, a lot of times where we get as Christians is what do we do? When you climb Everest, it literally takes 11 days to get ready to go to base camp. 11 days. And so many of you, you're dressed and you're ready to go. You've got, you've got the hiking gear on. You're looking the part. You've got the cool helmet on. You've got even the cool shades. You've got the cool gloves. You've got your Bible. You've got your gear, your backpack. You've got your little walking sticks. And you're going up to base camp. You are a hiker, right? You're a mountain climber. You're talking with your friends. Big, when I summit, I'm going to give praise and glory to God. And that's, like, that's what we talk about. And we looked apart. But then we get to camp one. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now you're really talking risk. You're really talking hardship ahead of me, right? And I think a lot of us, we're good to the point of sacrifice. To when it gets hard. But that's when it gets good. When we sacrifice for our God, that's when it gets exciting. Because the rest is just normal. I can give, I'll give up, you know, Coca-Cola. I don't need Coca-Cola. I don't know why you'd want to do that, but you give it up. Or I'm going to give, I'm not going to do those things anymore. I don't, I don't need, but what happens when God says, I want you to sacrifice? I want you to go all in with me. I want you to, to bear this cross, and it's going to be painful. That is when we kind of go, oh, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I want you to give. I want you, I want you to sacrifice here. I want you to give your time. I don't want you to do the things anymore, or I want you to go on the mission field. Whoa, you know. That's difficult. But I tell you, that's where the joy truly starts. But And one thing about that, understand this, the narrow way is an inconvenient joy. It's not a convenient world. I mean, think about, has a cross ever been convenient? Has Jesus, when he took up his cross, was that the way he wanted to travel? But he knew the joy set before him. When we take up our cross, that's, that's inconvenient, yes. But each step, each journey up the mountain, further up the mountain, on your way with Christ, what a joy. It's inconvenient. You're going to be cold. You're going to hurt. Your muscles are going to ache. And you're going to be going, I'm going forward with my God. See, we, we're not designed to what? Be on a wide berth of a path. Our path is here. It's focused. It's to the top. You know, we're designed not to be 8 a.m. Christians. We want to be noonday. So we shine bright. We want to go forward with God, and we need to climb. As I shared, we were, we were talking about this Mount Everest. I got a video here I want you to watch. You know, to get up Mount Everest, just to get there, it costs $40,000. Just to climb it. I mean, man, I, I don't want to climb it. Look what these people are doing. It's stupid, it's cold. It's, it's harrowing. It's, a, it's, it's perilous. And, and it's hard. They have to train for years and climb other mountains, which cost a lot more money, and so they can get up to this point. And this is called the Kuman Icefall. And this is the most dangerous part of the climb. And you know where it starts? At base camp. It's not even to the summit is the hardest part. This is the hardest part. This is where people die. They have to go over crevasses that are so deep, a man gets lost in there and dies. This is where people lose it. And this is where the Christian 
gets to so often. But what a joy to go across the crevasse on that ladder and you look back and you go, look what I just did. And boy, you're excited to get on the other side, I bet. To go up that, that climb on that ladder, full out gear, freezing, numbing, and you're going, I want more. I want to go the next step. That's the Christian journey. All Christians, all climbers, they constantly face peril. They face death. And church, we got to understand, this is the reality that we face. we got to go forward with it. It's dangerous. But I tell you, Christians must seek to advance in the midst of peril and hardships. That's what we need to do. We go forward, and you can. You were designed for it. Oh, it's difficult. But there's a joy set before you because when you get those little victories, you'll experience more joy in the Lord. You'll experience more wonderful things. And I tell you, that is where it's all about. But so often in our culture, there's three words that many say to us. And I remember hearing this in youth group when I was a youth pastor, but I also hear it from Christians a lot or people. Is it fun? Is it fun? And you hear that word and you go, is it fun? You know, that's the talk of a mediocre Christian, a halfway up the peak Christian. Because they're going, I want, what's in it for me? See, Jesus never promised fun. Jesus didn't go to his disciples and, and say, hey, you know what? Okay, what we're going to do next, it's going to be outstanding. Oh, wait till you hear this. We're gonna, everybody's going to praise and worship your name, and you're going to be A number one. You're going to get your own, you know what, pew named after you or something. It's going to be awesome. No. Understand this. Jesus never offered amusement or excitement for his, or entertainment for his disciples. You go, well, that's not fun, Tom. It's a cross. Jesus said, because they hated me, they're going to hate you. Wow, there's joy there. Because why? Each step on your journey, on the way with God, is the next joyful experience, knowing that you are one. That's assurance. Knowing that you are with God, that's assurance. Knowing that being on the journey with God, you are experiencing your spiritual life even deeper with Him. And what a wonder it is. That's the, that's the narrow way. Oh, the broad way. The broad way to go. You're just going to wind up dissatisfied. But the Christian, God knows what true life is. We see it in, in verse 18. It says, For many walk of whom I often told you. This is a sad one. And now I tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. You know what? That's a lot of what Christians have done. In Matthew, it talks about, you know, the seeds sown. Some seeds were sown as a believer in thorns. And the world and the worries of the world choked them out, and they were unfruitful. But the Christian, 
the one that decides to go forward with God and not be choked out for, with, the, with the thorns and the distractions of the world, to stay focused on the narrow way. What did they yield? A hundredfold. They, they yielded 60-fold. They yielded 30-fold. That is a joy. And so many Christians settle for being in the weeds. And But with a Christian who focuses to go up the mountain and realizes who they are in Jesus, that they can achieve so much by God's hand in their life, by God guiding them, by going forward, and they will reap the benefit. They will summit. They will not be halfway up the creek Christians, or up the, up the peak Christians, because they understand who they are. For our citizenship is in heaven from which also we regard and wait eagerly for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, we wait for him. We go eagerly after it. We don't know when it's going to come, but we, if we stay focused, what joy. We're not worried about this life because we know our home, who we are in Jesus is a heavenly being. That is us. Because every step we take for Christ becomes more evident to us. Because there's a joy set before us. At this moment, I want to prepare for going to the Lord's table. And I want to encourage you. If you have something that you've been holding back from your God, that, that maybe you, you put down your cross and you're treating Christianity as a big waiting room and you're a common, mediocre, half-up-the-peak Christian. If you're like that, maybe it's something you need to repent from and say, okay, God, I'm going to go forward with you. It's going to be difficult, but I'm going to trust you in that. See, this is great opportunity. Our God loves us so much that he wants us to summit. That means we're able to do it. Amen? You can do this. Let me bow. Let's bow and pray. Lord God, as we prepare our hearts right now, God, we know you can do a work in us and you can help us go. Help us to be in tune with you, listening for your voice as we go forward. And in our hardships, in that pain of seeking the summit, we know that you're there with us. And God, we need some assurance sometimes. We need that tug on the line to help us to keep going. God, let us look to the noonday and shine bright. Let us look to the summit to go for that. Lord, help us to not just dwell on the past, but to go forward with you. God, I pray during this time of reflection as we sit and ponder and think about what you have done for us because you looked at us with joy. You looked at us knowing that we would one day be with you in paradise. God, we, we look forward to you and help us to remember what you've done for us so that we can get there. We pray this in Jesus' name.